Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God for our meditation this morning is our second lesson, Acts 10, verses 34 to 38, is printed in your bulletins and already read. Dear friends in Christ, how do you feel about favoritism? With most people, there is something of a disconnect or an inconsistency. While on the one hand, we say as a matter of principle, people shouldn't play favorites. Everyone should treat everyone equally. Well, on the other hand, we tend not to complain about favoritism when it works to our own advantage. If the coach on our team plays his own kid more than everyone else, cutting down on your playing time, then, then you complain that he's playing favorites. But if he plays you more than everyone else, then you don't complain, and you see it just as a matter of, of, of competence. You're just getting what is right. Does God play favorites? We are actually naturally inclined to think he does. And it's not just a little thing to think that. It can mess up all of our thinking about him and about us and about our salvation. There are two basic problems with assuming or, or operating as though God shows partiality towards certain people and, and not toward others. The first basically says, I'm special. I deserve God's favor or blessing more than others because I'm better. Better maybe because of your race or ethnicity, your education or your abilities, your, your history, family or personal, or, or your record at doing good things and avoiding bad things. Or perhaps you simply have a very high opinion of yourself, and you can't imagine that God doesn't share that opinion. The other problem is pretty much the opposite. It basically says, I'm special. It doesn't matter what the gospel might say about God loving me. I don't deserve God's favor or blessing, because I'm just not good enough. Not good enough may be because you're the wrong race or ethnicity, because you don't have the right education or abilities, because you have a bad history or just a bad record at doing what's right. Or perhaps you simply have a very low opinion of yourself and you can't imagine that God would like you any more than you do yourself. When Jesus began his ministry, the idea that God played favorites was quite well established among the people. The Jews, for the most part, had taken their status as the Lord's chosen people, and they had forgotten that that choosing had all been about preserving them in faith and providing a family for the Savior who had been long promised. They thought instead that, that this status as God's chosen people meant that they were better than the Gentiles, all non-Jews in pretty much every way. The assumption was that the favored status for their people translated into each of them individually being one of God's favorites. And this was especially common, of course, among the, the Pharisees, who took things even further and saw their lives of, of painstaking adherence to the law as 
further reason why God would just have to be partial to them when it comes to His favor and His blessing. On the other side, of course, were the Gentiles and their fellow Jews who had shown themselves unworthy with lives that did not measure up to the Pharisees' standards. For them, the idea of God's favoritism was one that separated them from His salvation and blessings. Those people were unfavored. They were unworthy of what God might have to give. This was the normal way of thinking. But someone like Peter should have known better. He had been one of the first to follow Jesus, had been probably Christ's most enthusiastic student, and had witnessed so much. There there should have been no question for him on what God's policy towards partiality was. After all, Christ's life in its entirety was one that avoided any idea of privilege or privileged people. I mean, He was the very Son of God from eternity. And yet, He humbled Himself to be conceived of a virgin, to be born in a stable and laid in a humble manger, to be greeted at His birth not by nobles or a procession of VIPs, but by humble shepherds fresh from the fields. He had no fancy home to live in, no great wealth to flaunt, no powerful position, but instead encountered animosity and opposition from the powerful. His disciples were fishermen. His friends were tax collectors and sinners. And in his death, he was counted with criminals. As far as ethnic pride... Jesus was worshipped as Messiah and King by Magi from the East. He, He taught and healed whoever came to Him. And He spoke more highly of the faith of certain Gentiles than of any Jew. And as far as His teachings, well, Peter should have remembered that Christ's call to repent of sin went equally to everyone because everyone is a sinner equally deserving of damnation. And the call to faith went equally to everyone too because that is the only way to salvation for anyone. But old habits, especially habits of the mind, are hard to break especially when they fit so well with the sinful nature's way of looking at oneself and the world. Peter and the rest of the young church, which was almost entirely Jewish, needed to to set aside all of those old ideas about God playing favorites so that the gospel could be freely taught to and freely believed by every sinner, every kind. Of sinner. And so God taught Peter and through him the rest of the church a lesson, a very vivid lesson. It happened when Peter was traveling. He was outside of Jerusalem. And in the town of Caesarea, there was a centurion named Cornelius. And God gave him a vision, a quick, a short vision, but it basically said, send to the city of Joppa, for a man named Simon, Peter, tell him to come here. Well, that same day, God sent a vision to Peter. 
Peter was resting up on the roof of the house he was staying in. It was getting a little late. He was hungry. He'd been sleeping a bit, but God sent him this vision of a great net lowered down from the heavens full of all kinds of animals, all kinds of unclean animals, and a voice that called out, Get up, kill, and eat. And Peter, being the good Jew that he is, says, Oh, no, no, Lord, never, I would not do that. I have never eaten anything unclean. But the voice came a second time. And he said, What God has made clean, you must not continue to call unclean. And this happened three times. And then the net was withdrawn. Well, what happens next? Knock, knock, knock. At the door below come men sent from Cornelius saying, hey, we're here to see Peter. And Peter is allowed by the Holy Spirit to connect the dots. Hmm. Gentile man comes to call me to visit a Gentile in his house. Hmm. God has just told me that I shouldn't be calling unclean what God has called clean. Hmm. Learns his lesson. And that brings us to where we are. Peter is speaking. He's gone to Cornelius' house. He's entered Cornelius' house, which a good Jew would not have done because they don't go into Gentiles' homes. And he explains, Now I really am beginning to understand. I had a little of it before. Now I've really got it. That God does not show favoritism. But in every nation... Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. He sent his word to the people of Israel, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So that's the Jewish context of it, but he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. What happened among the Jews with their Jewish Messiah was for every sinner of every nation. So what the Gospel is, that message of salvation in Christ, Peter now gets, and he wants everyone to get. It corrects both of those wrong ways of thinking, those problems of thinking that God shows favoritism. Yes, every one of us is special because each one of us has God's love. But no, no one deserves anything from God. The only things we deserve from God are punishment for our sins. Instead of giving us what we deserve, He gives us what Christ earned for us. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us salvation. He gives us eternal life, not because we are worthy, but because Christ is worthy and gave us His worthiness in place of our unworthiness. The Gospel corrects all these ideas. There's no need for God to show favoritism. We certainly expect no favoritism. And so... What does this good news mean? For us today, it means that, that, that we don't have, well, have quite the sense of ethnic entitlement that the early Jewish Christians had to deal with. 
But we still need to remember and, and apply every day that this truth that God shows no favoritism. We need it for our own sake and for others. There is no sinner excluded from God's saving work, from this good news of peace through Jesus Christ that Peter proclaimed. He says, you know what happened. And then in the following verses, he, he, he sums up what they know. We are witnesses of all the things he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. Yet they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him on the third day and caused him to be seen. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify, testify about Him that through His name, everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins. Everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins. God shows no favoritism. Even our gospel today gives us an example of how God shows no favoritism with his gifts. Baptism. If you were tempted to think, well, baptism, that's something that only the really sinful people need. Who got baptized? Jesus got baptized. And he said it was proper when John objected that Jesus didn't need baptism, but he did. If even the sinless Son of God goes through the waters of baptism, well then baptism, yeah, that wonderful gift of cleansing, of life, of salvation, is for everyone. Or if we were to turn it around the other way and say, well, baptism, okay, that's only for the people who are really serious Christians, or really good people, the ones you know who've, who've shown themselves worthy of God's favor somehow. Well, no. Baptism is for sinners to wash away their sins. That's what it's for. The baptism that John preached was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So favoritism. We're against it because God does not show it. If we start bringing it into our thinking, if we start thinking, well, you know, God favors those who share my politics. And the people on the other side of the aisle, well, they're not in such good shape. They, they really need to change. No. They are sinners. We are sinners. We all need God's salvation in Christ. The people of my race, ooh, yeah, we're more deserving of God's favor because God's proven it by showing us that favor, right? Right? So we're better somehow? We're more worthy? No. Every race is equally in need of God's salvation. Every race equally receives that salvation. It's for everyone. What if we try saying God plays favorites according to national origin? What if we try saying people of a certain level of education? No, no, and no. What if I start saying, well, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've got this addiction. I've got this illness. 
physical or, or mental. These things mean that I must not be one of God's favored ones. Well, no, to you too. You are just as much a sinner as anybody else. You are just as much a recipient of God's grace as anyone else. God does not play favorites. He loves everyone equally, and everyone needs that love the same. Now, of course, none of this means that, that God ignores or downplays sin just because He gives it to everyone. It's exactly the opposite. He, he sent His one and only Son to set us free from sin. We don't downplay it or ignore it either. We, we take it seriously. Having God's favor means that we stop favoring sin. You've, you've heard it said before, perhaps, that contrary to the idea that some have that the church is like a country club or a gym, that we should think of it as a hospital. A hospital for sinners. Imagine someone injured or horribly ill saying, you know, no, no, I'm not going to go to that hospital. I don't need a hospital. Hospitals are for those people who are, are, are really sick or who can't take care of themselves. I'm too worthy to need that hospital. Would that person benefit from the healing and the care of that hospital? Of course not. Or, on the other hand, imagine someone saying, oh yeah, I know there's a hospital over there, but that hospital, oh, that's for the people who have their lives together. That hospital is only for the people who have certain privileges, and that doesn't apply to me, so I just need to stay here and suffer and die. Well, that's not true. And that person's not going to be helped either. What God offers in the Gospel, what He offers through the church, is for everyone. And He doesn't make those distinctions that we in our sinful nature so long to make. God shows no favorites. He loves us all. We all are in equal need of His blessing. The salvation that Jesus brings, we all need the same way. God gives His grace and His salvation equally to all who come to Him in repentance and faith. It's a simple message, but I'll just say it one last time. God shows no favoritism. Jesus is the Savior of every kind of sinner. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.